Okay, hello everybody and welcome back to Let's Watch Podcast. I'm your host, James, with my co-host, Carolyn. Hello. And today, we are talking about The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson's new live-action film. Yes. Um, uh, and before we jump into the synopsis... Uh-huh. I was ready. I was going to... I know you were eager on that one. Uh, <laughs> I was going to ask you, what is your relationship with Wes Anderson films? Because you know I what? think that is... He's a pretty divisive filmmaker. I, I agree. Um, I used to love Wes Anderson films. Um, and then you became educated. Well, you know what it was? The first Wes Anderson film I saw was <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom. The bad I, one. No, I really liked that one. And I had never seen anything like it before like it's quirkiness and the the colors and the production design symmetry yeah and i had never seen anything like that and i really liked it and i liked a lot of his movies and then i don't know i guess i just kind of fell off of it a little bit um because it's the same thing in every movie and i'm like i get it it's your style but it's very twee and very like i wear a fedora well that's the thing i've no i no longer see it as like inventive Whereas I did with with that one because I because I just hadn't seen a movie like that. The one thing I will say about Wes Anderson though is his pr- production design is really cool. Um, it is, and I always like to see that. So I like to be like, okay, what world did you build this time? Um, in terms he of does like, build sets good and costumes worlds. and whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like it it is always quite interesting. I find that the thing that I tire the most of is like the look how quirky I am, you know, because it makes it feel all the characters and whatever all the same. So, anyways, point being. I used to love Wes Anderson, and now I'm, like, okay on him. I don't hate him by any means. Yeah, so my answering my own question here. Um, no one asked. Okay, what's the synopsis? <laughs> what's your uh, take on Wes Anderson? <laughs> you uh, I was kind of whatever on him um, for a long time. Like, I saw Moonrise Kingdom like you did. Uh, didn't like it. I mm. think that movie's bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched Rushmore. I was kind of whatever on Rushmore. Didn't yeah. hate it, but I was just like, oh, okay, I, I see the promise with everybody in this, but it just didn't do anything for me. Um, I saw, um, I can't remember it, but another one of his early ones, and it did nothing for me. And then one of my uh, best friends showed me Fantastic Mr. Fox, and I really, really love that movie a lot. But it's mm-hmm. stop-motion animation. so it's As was his... um, Isle of Dogs. Yes. Uh, and for Fantastic Mr. Fox, like that, his whole style worked for me in that setting. And I was like, oh, okay. All of like his like tweeness and symmetry and production stuff works really well when it's completely not live action. It was mm-hmm. like it all coalesced. And I just think that's one of his, his best movies. And I was like, that's incredible. Then I watched The Grand Budapest Hotel and that movie entirely worked for me because it finally got to a point of being like, oh, it felt like a filmmaker who'd grown up a little bit. And it yeah. had become more of like instead of it instead of it being like twee and before then kind of like positive and trying to be adult, it felt like he took this and made it this like bright colorful thing. But then it was like an underlying thing of like melancholy and sadness throughout the film. And yes, that one was good, and it also because the hotel I like that it was like rooted in something, and the hotel was this weird and wonderful bubblegum world that you're right had something else below it. Um, so that one all yes also worked very well for me. There was always like a looming outside danger presence that you knew like this good couldn't last. And like they had the overarching story like this film does, but it was about like an old man looking back on his life. So you knew and the way he, that way they set up that character is that you knew it wasn't going to be a happy movie. And then mm-hmm. I saw Isle of Dogs and that movie's terrible mm-hmm. uh, for many reasons of like 
I don't think it works in any way. And that also like the casting around that is, is yeah, that's the, the correct term. Uh, <laughs> and then going to this movie, I was like excited for it. Cause I, I like, at least I know I'm going to feel something with a Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Like I'm never going to be like bored essentially with it. Like his symmetry design thing. I, I like how that it, that stuff is satisfying to me to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his production design in this film is also incredible as mm-hmm. it is in all of his films. Yeah. I didn't read, like, that's me going into this, so I'll let you read the synopsis before we talk about the movie. Sure. Um, a love letter to journalists set in an outpost of an American newspaper in a fictional 20th century French city that brings to life a collection of stories published in the French Dispatch magazine, basically. Yeah. So this feels like his version of a biopic. Does <laughs> in it? In a weird way. At least to me, I know it's not real, but it felt like I know it's like it's so obviously like a love letter to journalism, and he has his like little jokes throughout the movie as well. Mm-hmm. I, I think we I forgot to say before is that generally in all of his films he gets great performances. Well, he also has the same cast of characters, um, about forty five different people it seems, um, and in all of them you see like Francis McDormand, Saoirse Ronan, who was actually a very small part in this. Um, yep. Has Timothy Chalamet worked with him before? No. He fits in. <laughs> he fits the vibe. But Bill Murray's worked with him a lot. Owen Wilson's worked with him a lot. Jason Schwartzman. Tilda uh, Swinton. Adrian Tilda Brody. Tilda Swinton. Adrian Brody. I think Benicio Del Toro's worked with him before as well. I Probably. can't remember what film. But he does get a lot of returning actors. And everybody's good in this film. Nobody's bad. I think the kid from um, Grand Budapest is also in this. Yes, he plays young Benicio. Mm-hmm. No, they, but like his, he definitely gets very good performances out of actors. Mm-hmm. Well, because I think it's fun. I think they have fun because they get to be kind of weird. <laughs> well, yeah, they, I think it's, they get to, and I think he probably lets them do some stuff they want to do, I would mm-hmm. imagine. Mm-hmm. And I bet he, like, generally, like, if people continually work with the same dude, I bet he's a good person to work with, is kind of what I get from that. Uh, yeah. Willem, Willem Dafoe's in this, uh, he's been in previous ones as well. Although his part is also very tiny. Well, that's the thing with this movie is a lot of them were small. Cameos? Well. Did it feel like a little bit of like we filmed a part of this during COVID so we got these people for like a day? It did. And it also felt, and I sometimes feel this way about his films, that Grand Budapest was a very cohesive film. This film is three and a half-ish sections. It's three shorts. Yeah. And each one is a completely self-contained story, which does make it feel a bit like, oh, Saoirse Ronan just like popped up, you know? Um, it felt like some of the stories were fleshed out less than the others. And also, I don't know, I almost felt that like since each story was like a third of the whole movie, um, I was very tired by the time we got to the third story. Because you get invested in the whole narrative and you're really interested and you're like, okay, where are we going with this? And then it's done. And then you have to do that two more times. And so I like the Although first I would argue second. that the last one is the best one. But see, I didn't even feel that way because I didn't even care by that point anymore, I found. No, I, 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 I'm I, with you on that, but I just think that's probably the best one. But they kind of, mm-hmm. the momentum's gone by the time you get there because you're like, okay, we have to reset again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the overarching thing that ties us all together, I didn't care about at all. No, um, though they didn't spend a whole lot of time on that, which was okay. No, it's like essentially just so you understand that these things take place in the same world. And I appreciated that they did that simply because it does tie them together. Because if I had watched these like three vignettes um, 
separately and they were just like three in the same movie, I'd be like, why are you making me watch three separate movies? Whereas this is kind of like, yeah, it sets the backdrop of like, we're working for the newspaper and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, that's kind of, I agree with everything. That's kind of where it left me as well with this film is that that just didn't it didn't it pulled me out of the film every time we reset and it just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I was like, was this like the Coen Brothers version of the like the Ballad of Buster Scrubs where it's like, was this supposed to be a TV series? And then you decided during editing mm-hmm. that it was going to be a movie. And then it's just we're watching a bunch of short films that were, have been reduced in length. But they don't feel reduced in length. They feel like a full, complete story. But Yeah, they're quite long. And I think that's one of the issues I had with them is that, like, I was just tired. But also because they were all quite different. Like, the Benicio Del Toro one. one. Me too. And what I liked about it too is that it didn't have a gigantic cast of characters. It felt like we actually got to know those and got to, like, it spent time with the story. It was, Um, like, three characters. Yeah, exactly. And so I really liked that. Um, and I thought certain, like, that one felt like it had the most breathing room. Like when, um, I think his name was Moses, the Benicio del Toro character. It was Moses, yep. Yeah, so when he's doing the the clay pottery and basket weaving introduction, and he's telling his whole life story, I thought that was, like, very funny, but also poignant. And, like, things like that really worked. And, I mean, obviously it's making a commentary about, like, you know, rich people kind of do whatever they want. And also, like, people who aren't rich, their well-being banks on if they help out rich people or not basically like the only yeah. reason moses got out was because he saved some rich saved. people yes while killing a bunch of other people exactly exactly um so i really no i think that's mainly partly because it's the first one but i do mm-hmm. think it has it's the most cohesive and it has the best the performances that work the well best together i honestly just that... yeah i think it felt the most fleshed out characters it felt like the other ones were too not too short but like well his style of filmmaking like in the first one like accentuated like the story more in this one mm-hmm. there's the scene when it's um Benicio del Toro and Adrian Brody in the in the cell talking to each other and then mm-hmm. Leah Sadu's looking through the the little slide and they mm-hmm. keep cutting to her face but that mm-hmm. works there like it's it's helping like us understand the characters more yeah um and I just think it's like those three performances are in my opinion, like with the exception of one other actor in this film, like the three best performances and they just all happen to be in the same one and they all help each other. I think Benicio del Toro is great in this movie. I just, when I watched that, I was like, oh, I wanted this to be the whole movie. <laughs> like I, I could too. watch this character do the whole thing mm-hmm. and it's just so much better than the second one. Yeah. I mean, or that I, I cared about it more. That's the thing. I enjoyed the second one too. And I thought there were s- some fun touches. Um, I think the second one relied a lot more on narration than the first one as well. It did, um, yeah. It felt more like a journalist telling us a story, whereas the first one just felt like people's lives. Exactly. Yeah, they only popped to like Tilda Swinton telling the first story occasionally, and and it and it worked better. Um, and you would usually see her when when it popped to her. Yes. Um, it's almost like they made these three stories in a vacuum and then put it into a movie. Now that it I does think about feel it, like they're, that. they're even edited in different ways. Um, they are. But yeah, with the second one, there were certain things that I really liked that were like, I thought it was funny that the um, the slogan was <laughs> the children are grumpy. Accurate. We are. But I don't know. I liked I liked that it was like, it made some comments about, you know, how the, I think they even said it, the students split into factions before fully uniting in the first place, um, which is so typical of any discontent and protest. Like we start fighting each other and not the actual problem. But I wish we saw more of that and less of like the love story. Yeah, I agree. 
I think the love story kind of submarined that part. Yeah, and I felt like the I felt like the the first one said something and the second one could have said something, but it instead focused on a love story and Timothy Chalamet's new muscles, you know? I did like that his under I did like how they showed that character's underlining insecurity though. My god, he is perfect for this type of movie. This role suits him. I know. And I think he's quite good actually i just think that i don't care about the romance but i think if they were just focusing on him like trying to be like a leader of a movement and showing that Mm -hmm. insecurity i think it works better than the fact that he's insecure because he has a crush yeah uh i just think that makes it a little a little it just yeah it didn't work for me there although i do francis is great she's great in everything although her part isn't doesn't require her to do much that's the thing i think i liked the timothy chalamet francis mcdormand um I like them working off of each other because it was like he was insecure about the movement and is looking to her for help and she's kind of helping, but he's also, he doesn't really want the help, but he kind of does want the help. I love that yes. dynamic. I didn't like the, who was it, Juliet? I didn't like that role. I didn't need it. Yeah, but it's not the actress's fault. No, uh, no, no, no. I just didn't need the character. No, yeah, same. And I liked the, when they dived into like the actual structure of that world specifically in that mm-hmm. short section, I liked that stuff too. It's just, yeah, that love story just, is not what I care about in that part, um, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I think that really like re- takes the momentum away from the film. Because mm-hmm. if we went from the first one to the third one, I think I would have been engaged more the whole time. But I was already like, okay, I kind of already know how I feel about this film after the second one. And now I have another whole part to get through. That's, Unless yes. it's like incredible, I doubt that my opinion is going to change on the film very much. That's the thing. I enjoyed the second... I wanted to enjoy the second one because, I, like I said, I like the journalist and the young activist kind of um, parody there. But... I did feel the pacing was weird on the second one because it was. it was like they spent a lot of time with the relationship and a lot of time in like slow moments, but then they would be like, then they advocated for this and they protested that and then they did this and then they did that and da, 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 da. okay, we've banged through all of the protesting thing. Now let's get back to the love story. And I'm like, but that's the interesting part. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with all of that. Um, I think like, I don't, know if this movie was made during covid i don't know but mm-hmm. there was parts where it felt like they ran into maybe production issues mm-hmm. and they had to or like he didn't want to make it felt like there was a lot cut out in the second part really is that he decided to refocus it on the love story instead of activist side of it and i don't know if that had been filmed maybe this is what he wanted all along but i just don't agree with you i just don't think that part works very well or is not mm-hmm. like coherent enough for me Mm. And it made me lose interest in the film. Yep. Uh, which once that happens, it's hard for a film to get it back fully. Uh, and then we get to like the third part. And I liked it. I just, my main issue with that is what how they handle the climax. The style yeah. he decides to go with is that he makes it animated and it just doesn't work. That's the other thing I was going to say. They have a lot of, was the third one the poison one? Yes. Yeah, okay. I actually really enjoyed that one too. I don't really remember what happens at the beginning of it, the whole, because they're like sitting on a stage having a talk or something, right? He's in an interview. Yeah, so that whole thing, I wasn't really paying attention to any of that because I was still like kind of thrown from the, the the second part. You know what I mean? I did enjoy the um, the poisoning in the war and I thought that was all interesting. But yes, when they switched into, there's kind of no rhyme or reason for some of the animation, or not, the, for some of the editing choices. Like, yeah, you're right. The climax was all animated. And at points in this film, they like, sometimes they broke the fourth wall. 
Sometimes they had narration. Sometimes it was in person. They had like rotating sets, almost like a play, but only sometimes. Yes. Um, they switched into black and white and into color. I'm not sure what the logic was of why they did that. I'm sure there was some. I didn't notice a theme for why, you know? It's in the first one, the use of color is very well done. Yeah. Because it's used to show like the impact of that character's arc. And in the second yes. one, I can't remember if there's use of color. There is. Like, legit- and that's the one where I was like, why are they switching? <laughs> and in the third one, I, I, it's, it's my memory of the use of color is the animated and then the overarching interview section. But the actual, yeah. like, when he's there, he, there's no color. Um, and I do think the third has my favorite performance in the entire film is Jeffrey Wright. I think mm-hmm. he's really good. And I think he kind of nails the vibe, at least you should get from a Wes Anderson film, is that it's like this bright, like colorful, like unique thing to look at. But the stories have like this under arc, like that character is like such a, it feels like he brings such like a history with that character. And like there's this underlying like sense of sadness to that character and that story specifically mm-hmm. um, because of the way it ends with, with the chef. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked that. It's just that whole animated section just took me out of that whole part. And I was just like the, you just like remove all of the character moments we could have had in this. I understand like shooting that live action car chase is expensive and long and maybe you didn't yes. have the time to do it, but then there's other ways you can resolve that story instead of that way. Also, it's like, yeah. that's how they decide to remove like the Edward Norton character. And it just like, it, it made it so like much more of like a joke, which didn't fit with like the tone of that section in my opinion yeah it was also the only section they did that in yeah and like i the animation's well done it just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work um Mm -hmm. and i think they get like that scene has like the i think also like full of great performances like saoirse ronan has like six lines i think but i like her in this a lot me too she's great in her like little role yeah Um, jeffrey wright's great willem dafoe gets to be weird and strange and he's good at doing that Mm -hmm. uh and I and I I actually liked the like interview section. I thought that worked really well, like with Lee Schreiber. Mm-hmm. But then the end just doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work for me. But then I also really like the chef's like when he's like I cut this I cut this because it's like this it made me sad. <laughs> and then yeah. he's told to put it back in, and I was like, oh okay, that kind of salvages this section for me because that's like a really good. Uh, scene and writing but it just can't sell it just doesn't it doesn't fit with the rest of with that animated section and it's like this movie starts so strongly as a whole and then has like a great the best part is the first part with benicio del toro and leah sado also i liked how she was the one in power in that relationship oh yeah 100 percent. and and was not like coddling him or anything like that (laughs) when he's like putting the paint on her body and then she just slaps his hands and I like the scene where he's he's like um, in bed and he's like, hey, I have something to tell you. She's like, nope, no, nope, nope. no, no, no. He's like, no, well, but I didn't even say. <laughs> uh, he's like, I was about to say I love you. She's like, I don't love you. He's yeah. Like, How do you know? It's so soon. I thought that that's when his like his style of filmmaking helps accentuate that so much. Yeah. Uh, but sorry, what was your point? Oh, well, even just listening to you explain which parts you liked and which you didn't. It's absurd. This movie has way too many plots and characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing that it's coherent. Coherent. Well, that's the thing. Because if you think about it, there's the main like interior thread storyline. There's the first story, which also has the Tilda Swinton part of that story. There's the Francis McDormand story, but then also the Francis McDormand telling the story. And then all the different stories within that story. 
And then the third one, there's the interview portion, but also there's this portion and that portion. Like you were only explaining the third section and there was already too many portions in the third section, you know? Yeah, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. I think this honestly would have been better served if he focused it on one and it could still be a love letter to journalism. Um, even if you focus it on one now, or honestly, my I think ideal a... combination of that would have been the Benicio story with Jeffrey Wright telling it. Mm. <laughs> See, I think my biggest issue is that Wes Anderson likes to get all these crazy people to work with him and well, they enjoy doing it. Them. Well, that's the thing. They enjoy doing it um, and he enjoys putting them in it. But because he's friends with them, I think he tries to give people bigger roles than they should. And it ends up having a movie that feels like a long line of cameos. Um, like, did Owen Wilson need to have his big thing? Not necessarily. That whole section could have been shorter if it was not Owen Wilson. You know that what I mean? section could have been cut. Well, exactly. Exactly. But if it's like, if you want like an interthread or an intro, like, sure, whatever, do your thing. But I feel like because these are people that he has asked to be in his movies and they're his friends and he wants to showcase them, like, the problem is you don't need this many people in your movie. I was looking at the trivia and there's like 11 Academy Award nominees that are in this cast. And it's like, that's too many, you know? Yeah. Or it's like maybe make the connective tissue part of the movie different. Like I was thinking in my mm -hmm. head of being like, you can have all the scenes in there, but then cut the entirety of the uh, magazine offices and just have it like, yeah. just do the thing where it's like the board and this be like, whatever Owen Wilson's character name was his part. And then when it leaves that just like pan down and then it's that character's name and their part. And then it's just like, maybe that would make the sections flow better then mm -hmm. is that we're just like, we're just looks like we're actually like reading a magazine then. Cause they, they have the title yeah. cards of like this part and then the page numbers. So it's like, we already yeah. have that. Do we need the other uh, window dressing of like actual people there? And like, I, un I get wanting to work with your friends if you like working with them and then wanting to give them bigger parts because you like them. And like, that's mm -hmm. an understandable thing to me. But I but just it's think complicated. It is. He puts too much into this film. And like this movie isn't over long. It's actually it's under two hours and it doesn't overstay its welcome. It just. With most Wes Anderson films, it just feels unfocused. Yeah. To me and more of like. Yo, it's about the vibe. And as somebody who is generally about the vibe, his vibe, it doesn't work for me, except with the exception of one film. Well, except well, of two films, but one live action film. But also, like, whether you like the vibe or not, the vibe is not consistent throughout this film. You know? It isn't. So, and strange. it kind of takes, it, it feels like this movie wasted a lot of great performances. Yeah. Uh, that will be forgotten because I. This movie will probably get some nominations like screenplay and production and design and maybe costumes because that's all great. All of that, yeah. like the, his production and like costuming and the people he gets to do that are very good at their jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, and they nail hit what he wants is what it feels like. And like yeah. I could see cinematography because it is well filmed. He does yeah. do his less. Like when it's a when it's a faraway shot, he still does like weird symmetry stuff. But when it's actually on the characters, it's like they're obviously like framed equally on both sides. But it feels like he's softened that a little bit. Like he's yes. not afraid to show them out of balance now. Yes. Whereas before, it was always like the person was in the center, staring directly at the camera. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's using or like he's be like he's evolved a little bit with that filmmaking, um, mm -hmm. which I appreciate. I think it helps with some of the performances. It's just. 
I end up with this movie being a little disappointed because I think there's something great in here and it's wasted. Yeah. Um, and I would not mind seeing Benicio Del Toro get nominated for acting. I doubt he will. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't know what you'd put him in. I guess it would have to be actor. He's not supporting. But the thing is, it's he's not in the whole film. Like, he's not the lead, you know? No, and it, it, yeah, it's just like, you know who's great in this movie? Let me name this Academy Award winner. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's like, you know who's good in this film? Francis McDormand. Yep. You know who else is good in this film? Uh, Benicio Del Toro. And it's like, oh, so they're just good actors being good. And it's like, yeah, it's like, cool. So, I, I mean, I think it's worth watching to see the first part anyway. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, I like the third part with the exception of that one thing. Mm-hmm. Or that one segment of it. Um, yeah. And I think even though we don't like the second part, I really like Timmy in this movie. He's so good. He is. He's so, I like, he's, I've had like a, a weird, like when Timothy Shalaby first came on the scene, like he's great and call me by your name. But I was just like, is this his Jennifer Lawrence role? But this is all you can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and then also everyone got obsessed with him, but like not because of his performances. Like he was, you know, suddenly the, the weird Twinkie heartthrob. And I was like, can we not do this? He's a kid. I don't get that. Me because neither. Because he looks like a child. I understand mm-hmm. that he has like good bone structure, but I yeah. don't think he's a heartthrob. Well, everyone's always like, ooh, his outfits. And I'm like, his outfits are often weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. Down uh, but with this movie and with Dune, I think there's. And what, and Don't Look Up, I'm like, oh, okay, there's like a real actor here. Yeah. And I can, like, I'm not upset with him being put in a lot of stuff because he's not afraid to be in roles that are weird like he has to like doing is him doing like a big budget franchise whatever everybody's mm-hmm. gonna do that but with don't look up i was like legitimately thought he was the best part of that film mm-hmm. um and he actually felt like a real person and then with mm-hmm. this movie i think he's great he's just in the worst part of it yeah um and it's weird that you have a big crush on him okay i do not i do not how old is he <laughs> oh, he's only sorry two sorry years younger than me but i always felt like he was willem defoe's more younger. than your speed Hundred percent. Those teeth, <laughs> those eyeballs. Mm. Oh yeah, you just love creepy, weird old men. That's you know my type. Oh, nailed it. What were you saying? Sorry. Oh, Timothy Chalamet is only two years younger than me, but I've always thought he's younger Ew. than that. You know what I mean? He has the vibe of a twenty-one-year-old. He does, and when he first became, well, he looked really, really young in Call Me by Your Name, and he's he supposed is to very be quite young. young. Yeah, but I mean, if I was only two years older than him, then I was also young. But um, how does that make you feel? Pretty bad, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was what twenty seventeen. Um, so he would have been twenty two. Um, he didn't look like he was twenty two. He looked like he was seventeen. You know well, what I mean? Well, I think he was like probably twenty twenty one when they filmed that. Yeah. And he is a very slight person. Yeah, yeah. He looks a lot more grown up now, but like. But he really just, he looks like a kid. He does, but it fits with this role really well. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. And he and he nails, he nails what I feel like they were going for with that character. I just wish it wasn't about him being like a lovesick puppy. And mm-hmm. instead about, like, I, I like the insecurity. Be like, I'm nervous about my new muscles. I was like, oh, okay. Like, that's perfect. But uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I'll watch what Twitch Anderson does. But I'm beginning to think more and more. That it's really like those two movies that he's made are the movies that I'm going to like. And from now on, it's always going to be like, man, this could have been so much more. You're almost mm. there. 
and mm-hmm. it just doesn't work with me, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yep. Uh, but anyway, where can people find you on the internet and your um, uh, creepy my thirsty, Timmy, Timmy uh, photos? <laughs> no, not Timmy. Uh, my boy, <laughs> the Green Goblin, you know? Um, <laughs> you can find my Green Goblin tweets at carolyndunk93. Uh, and where can they find you? Uh, you can find me everywhere at James Willow, except on Twitter where the O is zero, and you can send us an email at letswatchpod at gmail.com. And the movies we're doing next time, the next two, are going to be Come On, Come On, uh, the Mike Mills, Joaquin Phoenix, black and white film, because I mm-hmm. guess it's the year of black and white movies. You know what? We said that the year that had the like Cold War and all the other black and white movies as well. <sighs> Must A new thing. And then we're also going to be doing A Hero, Ashkar Fahadi's Iranian film. And that one's on Prime Video. Or if you have that, it's there uh, because it's, you know, starting to get into like the foreign language films that mm-hmm. Carolyn and I feel a little pot more secure about that they'll actually be nominated. And probably those will be the best movies we watch this year because that's generally our opinions on that. It's like, 100%. wow, this foreign film is so much better than all of these American films. 100%. I will say, though, James, black and white is not a new thing. It's it's quite an old thing, actually. no. What are you? No, what? <laughs> are you telling me that we did not start in color? We did, and also with sound. But I see and hear things. <laughs> I see in color, and I hear things. How could they not do that immediately? I was born in the year two thousand. That's when I remember things. Yeah, before dial-up internet, <laughs> or after dial-up internet. I mean, after yeah, before dial-up internet in the year two thousand. Yeah, you ruined your own joke. I ha did. ha. <laughs> <laughs>